While you're doing that, I'm just going to get rolling here because there's a lot the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And um, that clock frustrated me first service to no end. And uh, I'm looking back at it now going, hallelujah, we're going to hit it hard and hit it fast. And I've decided as well that I'm going to skip all these beautiful notes that I have for you. Since the Holy Spirit wrecked my heart, I'm just, y'all okay for a Holy Spirit heart gush? All right, I'm not, all right, we're going to. We're going to get a Holy Spirit heart gush this morning. You know, last week we kicked off this series called Trustworthy, and just by way of review, hit on a couple major points. We said, first of all, we're all wired for a relationship. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, you know, you, you need people. And that's why I encourage you to be plugged into the body of Christ, be plugged into life groups, find a place where you can be known, all right? And we need people. But we said that trust is the fuel of all of the relationships, and this is where the problem comes in because we've all been wounded and hurt, um, and our trust has been damaged. Anybody in this room felt the pain of betrayal or rejection or relational hurt? We don't have to raise hands. I know I'm speaking to all of us. And so here's what I encourage you to do. Don't check out and just become jaded and cynical and act like you don't need people. And, and make an inner vow that says, I'm never going to put my trust or confidence in anybody ever again because I've been hurt. How many know that's the fastest way for your life to dry up and for you to never achieve the fullness of what God intended for you to become and to do? It's simply by making an inner vow. You don't need people. not going to trust people. People are messy. Relationships are messy. So I'm just going to hide and put up walls and stay away from relationships. That's the worst decision you could ever make with your life. What we said was we need to get our hearts healed. We need to get our trust instrument healed because how I many you know God is trustworthy in your life whether we're trustworthy back or not I'm gonna say that again the Lord is faithful whether I'm faithful to him or not so how many of you know the goal is not to just try to inoculate yourself from ever being betrayed or hurt the goal is to put your trust in the trustworthy one and how about this be a man or woman of trust irregardless of what the culture around you is promoting or what people around you are or how they're acting be a trustworthy person and be a, a high-character person. And so we're going to get into this teaching today. I want you to get into Genesis chapter 20, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 39 with me. You can follow along on the screen. Genesis chapter 39, this will be our jumping off place, uh, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar, it says, was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So let's just pause right here. How many know if anybody could have had trust issues, it's Joseph? Imagine the pain of your own brothers after you come and share this exciting vision God's put in your heart. They were not excited at all. And instead of celebrating with you and being a safe place, they actually, some of them anyway, want to kill you, and they throw you in a pit, and before they kill you, some slave traders come along, and instead of killing you, they just sell you into slavery. So how many of you know that this guy, if anybody has trust issues, it could be Joseph? And I just want to tell you how Joseph responds to what happened to him. You know, you read the Bible, he's begging. You can hear the cries of this young boy begging his brothers, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. You can just literally feel all the pain coming out of his heart and the fear and the trauma. And I want you to look at what happens next. Verse number two, but the Lord was with Joseph. I'm going to say that again. The Lord was with Joseph. 
and the Lord is with you, and the Lord is with me. And how many of you know the Bible has been given to us, not so we can sit back and read it and, and say, well, that was nice, it worked for Joseph, but every testimony in Scripture is, again, a testimony that gives you the permission and faith to reach out and grab a hold of what the Bible's preaching and teaching. In other words, the Bible was written for you and for me. And so this is why we've always been a place. I don't care about what kind of background you came from or what kind of things happened to you. How many of you know God is bigger, and if God is for you, who in the world can stop the purposes from God of God from happening in your life? In other words, you, have a, you and I have a choice to either sit back and become jaded and cynical or look what he did. The Lord was with Joseph, and it says so, and I circled that word so. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. He succeeded as he served. I mean, you know, there's a principle here in life that if you and I will take on life from a posture of a servant and out of humility, looking to the Lord, God has a way of prospering everything that he puts in your hand. One person believes that. I just want to tell you this, no matter how cruel or mean the world is to me or any believer would ever be to me or whatever betrayal or whatever hardship, can I just tell you something? There is nobody on planet earth big enough to keep me from, att from attaining the purposes of God for my life. In other words, I have the highest power over my life. Nobody can go around that. And if I will honor God and submit to God and stay humble and keep pursuing God and listen, keep serving in the midst of suffering some times, God says, you're going to succeed and prosper. There was crazy prosperity on Joseph's life. I want you to look at what happened next. It says, Potiphar noticed this. He could see the favor of God on Joseph, and he realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. Now, now Joseph's getting a promotion. He put him in charge of his entire household, that's all the people, and over everything he owned, that's all the stuff. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for the sake, or for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Now listen, if you're a marketplace person, you own a business, you serve in the marketplace, there should be something about the trustworthiness of our character that causes us to be promoted, that causes us to get more responsibility, that causes, I want you to hear this, the economic blessing of God to pursue our lives. Because how many of you know as you're promoted and you're given more responsibility, more pay comes with that? And I want you to see this. How many of you actually think that the fact that you work for your company as you're honoring God and serving your employees and, and, and your boss and you're serving that company and you're giving your best, that the favor of God on your life actually redounds to a blessing on the company that you're serving? In other words, the company prospers because you're there. You know, we're dealing with all this big labor dispute right now, and I'm not picking a side of the labor dispute, but how I many you know the fundamental problem with labor disputes is neither side trusts the other side? And neither side is, is focusing, as I'm going to talk about today, neither side is focusing, what can I do for you to care for you to make sure you are blessed? That's not the posture of the marketplace, as we're going to see. But I'm trying to tell you there's something different about 
people who are high trust people, meaning you're trustworthy, you're worthy of other people's trust. Look at what it says next. This is amazing. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility. That's a fancy phrase right there for authority. He had authority over everything Potiphar owned. And look at this. This is what I want to talk about today. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. All Potiphar thought about was what's for lunch. And then when that task was off his plate, check, he's wiping his mouth. There's the next thing that he had to think about. What's for dinner? Can you imagine being so incredibly faithful in the stewardship of the trust that you've been given that people don't have to think about anything? In other words, listen to this, they're carefree. One of the Hebrew words for trust in the Bible means carelessness. Now, when we think of carelessness, we think about, hey, don't be careless. But, th- but that's not the meaning. The meaning is I'm, my mind is not entangled with a single care because when I'm in your care and your stewardship and I'm in relationship with you, I know you care about me because you have my back. What would it be like to be in a church family where we cared that kind of way? In other words, there was a carelessness. How about this? What would it be like to be among a group of Christians where you could actually share your story, which is incredibly valuable, and know that in sharing it, people would steward it well and actually care for your soul? Every person in this room has an incredible story. And usually it's a story that's a mixed story. It's a, it's a story of incredible victories and blessings, and it's a story of failure and pain. Am I talking to the right crowd? And you know what? If you took the time, if you took the time to listen to people, let me just pause right there. First of all, you're never going to get access into anybody's life, and you're never going to have trust go up unless you are somebody who seeks to understand people. If, have you ever been around somebody and all they talk about from the minute they open their mouth to the, till you leave is themselves? That's all they talk about. They're not asking you any questions. And I just want to say this. Have you found that the people that you love the most are people who talk and ask you questions about yourself? And when you leave, you're like, man, that person is so enjoyable to be around. And you think, well, why do I like them so much? Oh, because they made it all about me. They asked me questions. They, they cared about my life. They, can't, they took the time to ask questions. Can I just tell you something? We, at, at Living Stones, the reason we don't put people in leadership right away is because, number one, this place was God's idea. It wasn't my mom and dad's idea. It's a miracle. Number two, we're a 40-year counting miracle. And so when you're new here, we just say, you know what? Please take the time to hear the stories so you know our heart. So when you're put in a position of leadership, you steward the leadership properly because you don't make it all about you. You want to make sure you do it the way that the team would have wanted it done because there's a long history of loving people in this place. And nobody should be handed authority until they've taken the time to first ask questions so that, I mean, you know, Potiphar had a certain way. I'm sure he wanted things done. And Joseph didn't just come in and say, I'm going to make all things new. I got some great plans. Joseph had to do it Potiphar's way. And he did it in such a way that it honored his, his, his boss so much that his boss couldn't wait to promote him to a higher place. I mean, you know, until you've taken the time to understand somebody, they will never, ever trust you with their heart. Now, this is huge for marriage. This is huge for our kids. Man, I wish I could go back 
as a dad. Have you ever messed it up as a dad? Any dads in here messed it up with your kids? I was thinking of a situation the other day, and let me just paraphrase. First of all, you know, when your kids are little, it's okay to say no, and they don't need a 30-minute explanation. Like, you don't have to be a psychotherapist with your two-year-old. Well, I know you're grieved over what I told you to do, but tell me your feelings, and let's process this. No, don't touch that, period. That's all they need. And then if they do touch it, give them a little encouragement on the behind that they won't do it again. But I mean, you know, when you're raising teenagers, it's different. And I remember times of raising my kids when maybe they're hanging out with somebody I didn't want them to be hanging out with because whenever they got together, bad things happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So it's like, you guys are not bad people, but when you get together, bad things happen. So you should not get together ever, all right? But instead of telling my kids... If I would have taken the time to ask them, hey, what's going on here? Why are you so attracted to this person? Why are you so, what, what is the needs going on inside of you that keeps you navigating this direction? Because how many of you know the need to be understood is powerful and strong, and every one of us will find people in our lives who will listen to us. And this is why one of the deepest pains in a marital relationship is when one spouse or the other spouse or both spouses feel like their spouse doesn't listen. They cannot open up their heart. I mean, know you have an all-access card. Every one of us has been given an all-access card. And we keep that card close to our hearts. Am I, am I talking to the right folks, all right? In other words, you don't give an all-access card out in your life unless you're handing it to somebody that you know loves you. And the way that you know they love you is they've taken the time to understand you because they've taken the time to listen to you, to listen to your heart. And it's not just listening to your words. I've heard, I've heard couples say this. Oh, he's, he's like talking to a brick wall. How many, um, guys, how many know that's not a compliment? That's not like a sign you work out at the club. No, no, no. That's an insult. That means he's like talking to a brick, not just a brick, a, a co collection of bricks put together with mortar. That's what he's like talking to. Or people, let me give you some other examples. He just doesn't listen or she just doesn't listen. Or how about this one? I spend all this time pouring my heart out, and then when I get done, I'm waiting for a response, and here's one of the most painful things you can do to your spouse or to anybody is just sit there with a dumb look on your face saying nothing and doing nothing because then what your spouse says is, I just wait. It's like it is a waste of time pouring my heart out because when I pour my heart out, they don't care. Am I, am I talking to the right crowd? What if in our relationships we, like, gave eye contact, we put away the channel changer when our spouse is trying to talk to us, we're looking at them, and it's not just active, attentive listening. How many of you know there's a difference between being nice to somebody and actually communicating you care deeply about what they're saying? Like, in your heart, you care. You know, we went out, Marion and I went out to a restaurant one time, and we ordered some salad, and while I'm eating my salad... I have this searing pain shoot into my gum, all right? Because I realized in the salad, there was a staple. And so I reach in my mouth to pull the staple that's embedded now in my gum line. And I'm like, she's, Mary's like, what happened? I said, I just got a staple in my salad. 
we didn't order that, did we? <laughs> Croutons and a couple staples, please. So, I mean, you know, that kind of shocks you because you're not expecting a staple. So I pull it out of my mouth, and our sweet little waitress comes up, and I realize, like, she's not running around throwing staples in there, so I give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm a high-trust person. But I, uh, I said, hey, this was in my salad. Now, let me just tell you what not to do. Like, when someone pulls a staple out of their gum, don't go, well, that couldn't have happened. We don't put staples in our salad. I'm like, is this your salad? I just put it in my mouth. And then a staple came out. Like, something's not right here with your restaurant, all right? And so all I wanted her to say was, I am so sorry. I have no idea how that happened. We need to make this right. Are you okay? Uh, are you traumatized? You know, I mean, like, like here, here's all I wanted. Show me that you care. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. You guys need to figure out what, I don't know how you get staples and salads, but this is not a good routine. And, you know, I'm, I'm hungry, so I'm going to keep eating the rest of my salad in good faith. But this is really bad. So later, the manager comes out. Now, I know that the waitress told the manager, the brother over at that table just ate the salad with a staple, and he pulled it out of it. At least that's the story. I know that happened. If you're the manager, don't walk up to the person's table and say, so how was your dinner? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? You know how my dinner was. I'm wanting you to make it right. I'm wanting you, you don't even have to like lavish free gift cards on me, but just act like you care. How hard is it in our relationships with our spouses, with people we work with, in the church, with people you're sitting next to? How hard is it just to listen to people and truly care for people? Because if they don't know that you care, let me just tell you, they will find somebody who does. This happens in marriages all the time. When communication is terrible, when people feel literally relationally dry, when they, when they feel like there's no oxygen flowing in the relationship, nobody listens, nobody cares. I Trust me, they will find somebody who will listen and somebody who will care. It happens all the time. It happens with our kids, raising our kids. The, 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 the people who will disciple your children are the ones who have full access to their heart. And the way you get full access is not by being a perfect person. Those people don't exist. But it means that when you do mess up, when you do sin, you sit down, you say, please forgive me, and you humble yourself, and you ask for the access back into their heart. So I, I, want, to, how about you? I want to disciple my kids. Do you guys want to disciple your kids? I also want, to, I want a full access card to my wife's heart. Any guys want? By the way, this is what intimacy is. Intimacy means my wife, who's, who dis disappeared on me every time I want to use, she's probably out hugging somebody in the lobby. She has a nasty, nasty habit of doing that. <laughs> I want my wife to know I'm a safe person in a safe place. I want her to have full access to my heart. I want, I want her to know I trust her completely with my life. I trust her with my heart. And I want her to know the same thing. That means I have to be a good listener. It means I have to communicate understanding to her. It means I need to take time for her to share her heart. And when she shares her heart, I need to steward it well. Now, let me tell you in closing here about three types of people, all right? Three types of people that we have to watch out for. And we're talking about this whole notion of being careless or carefree, all right? First kind of person is a low-trust person. And tell me if you've not been around these people. 
These folks have a broken trust equipment inside. It's broken. Maybe they've been deeply hurt. They probably have been betrayed. I don't question the pain of their past, but here's what, here's what happens if you don't get healed. You view every relationship with suspicion. Because here's why. You're waiting for the current relationship to do you wrong because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Now, how many of you know if you have an inner vow that people are bad, that people won't love you, that people won't treat you right, uh, you have an inner suspicion, what you look for is actually, you're actually attracted to yourself. It's like you never really give trust to another person. you got this bungee cord that's attached to you, and every time you extend trust, you know that at some point it's coming back. Because people are going to do you wrong, things are going to go bad, it's only a matter of time. Now, it's impossible to be safe around these kind of people because even when things are going well, you're waiting for the other shoe to land. Now, some of you have come to this church, and I've, I've heard you talk, and, and it's an indication. I, I read between the lines. You say stuff like this, hey, this is great, man. People have treated us so lovingly here at Living Stones. But here's what you're really saying. But when is the other shoe going to land? Like, this is too good to be true because you're expecting something to go wrong, someone to hurt you, someone to mistreat you, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can never really let your hair down around these folks because it's just a matter of time. Even when things are going good, things are going to go bad in a hurry. This is what is said of these kind of folks. You'd never want to get on his or her bad side. Y'all ever been in relationships like that? You never want to get on this person's bad side. Well, what is that all about? It means if something goes a little shaky in the relationship, they are in full-blown vent mode. It is now World War III. How many of you know in relationships you're going to run into speed bumps? And when Pastor Dick and I hit a speed bump, what do mature believers do? Number one, I give them the benefit of the doubt because I've known him for years. Number two, he's on my team. I love him. I'm for him. Uh, but it means usually we're going to have to talk more. There needs to be understanding. We need to flesh things out. Maybe one of us or both of us needs to ask for forgiveness. That's what healthy people do. You know what low trust people do? As soon as there's a speed bump, all the armor comes out, the weaponry, and they're ready to kill. Why are they acting that way? Because they've been hurt, and they don't want to be hurt again. But you can't build anything with these types of people until you get healed. You can't build with anything with these kind of folks. How about this next group? I call them co-trust, seal, co-trust. That means you're going to do good to me, and then I'll do good to you. You treat me well, I'm going to treat you well. You give to me, I'll give to you. It's a win-win situation. It's mutually good. How many of you think that's not a bad scenario? In fact, let me just say this. This is the way most of us operate in life. Uh, as long as I'm winning and you're winning, we got a relationship. But how about this? What happens again if something changes? How I many of you know life's full of changes? Sometimes you didn't conceive of a certain scenario happening. How many of you have ever been in business with somebody and you, you wrote up your contract and you tried to specify every little detail, but how many of you know contracts are, are epic failures of trying to capture every scenario that could possibly happen in the relationship? In other words, you might be surprised. So here's a question. What happens when a surprise comes up? The win-win person will instantly shift into me-me because they're saying, wait a minute. This might not go my way, and when push comes to shove, I'm looking out for me first. Now, you come to church, and you raise your hands, and you worship. Can I just tell you, we have labored to, I'm going to cast a vision for it. What would happen in a church 
where the marketplace people worked together, served one another, looked out for one another, cared about one another, took it more than a win-win situation, took it to a situation where they're seeking your blessing. What could happen in a church community economically as people work together? Now, I'm saying this as a vision because how many of you know there are people who have made these statements before? I never work with Christians. I'm never going to do business with a Christian. Well, why? Because that Christian, when push came to shove, they didn't pay their bill, or they argued about this, or they did this wrong, or they gave me their word, or they said they'd have it done by Friday, and now that's 10 Fridays ago. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or they borrowed the money, and, and, it, and they still haven't paid it back. But I did notice they went on a family vacation because they put it on Facebook. Am I talking to the right crowd? I'm not just trying to be real right here. Because at the end of the day, we still care fundamentally about us. You're saying, well, pastor, is that wrong? Isn't it supposed to be win-win? Yeah, it's great when it's win-win. But how many know every person you're in a relationship with is a sinner just like you? And at some point... They're going to drop the ball, myself included. So what do you do when the person you're doing business with, you find out they're not perfect. They make mistakes. What do you do with the person you're sitting next to in church? You find out they're imperfect. I'm just going to go to the third service now instead of the second service. <laughs> no, I'm, you're all laughing. This happens in church. I ain't going. I'm not, I don't even want to see those people. Those people are your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have zero trust for. Because at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, rather than care for the other person's well-being, you're going to make sure you've got your back covered. And I'm just telling you, that's really not kingdom. Let me give you what I think is what the Lord's after, and that's the third option here which is called careless trust. And I'm going to close with this. Careless trust. We're not looking for win-win situations because there's going to be failures, and then that's going to create a sense of mutual fear, like when's the person going to fail me, not trust. So how about this? What if we just say to people, hey, Scott, I'm for you. Just want you to know I'm for you. Period. I'm a safe person in your life. Because I'm for you, period. Wow. How about this one? I'm committed to your success. Only if you're nice back to me? No. Only if you keep your word? No. I'm committed to your success. I know we're all in process, but I'm going to be a safe person. I'm not going to attack you when the relationship doesn't go the way I thought it would. In other words... We're going to let people put their guard down, and instead of living in this protection mode, what would happen if they lived in a place of openness and vulnerability, and they give you access? You know, I thought back at the coaches in my life. There are coaches that are top-down, heavy-handed, authoritarian, this is the way it's going to be, get on the line, blow the whistle, you know, whatever it is, hard, 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 hard. My kids have played for some of those coaches. But then my kids have also played for coaches that had a way of accessing their heart. 
and it believed in them, and it encouraged them, and it, and it somehow, how many of you know this, when you get permission to a person's heart, you have their whole being. You have their passion. You have their desire. You have an internal sense of work ethic because they, they bought into the team. They bought into the culture. They bought into what the coach is trying to accomplish. They bought into the coach. And I've had, I've had some of my boys that played football that literally would run through a brick wall for their coach because their coach believed in them and because they so bought in. And then I had other, other sons who played for coaches that just cussed them out and were harsh and, and never, listen, never cared for them and never got access to them. And so when they didn't have to suck it up or do what was right, they didn't because the coach wasn't there to crack the whip. Think about that in the workplace. Think about that in your marriage. How many guys all bluster, anger, and you wonder, why doesn't my wife, uh, you know, you quote that, that famous passage from the Bible about wives submit to your husband. That's, that's the, you know, that is the, most, that is the most memorized verse by men in church. <laughs> they don't know a lick of the Bible, but men, they memorize that verse. And the reason that you got to pull that verse out is because you don't have access to your wife's heart because you've never taken the time to love her and to listen to her. And how about this? When you go away on a business trip, does your spouse sleep well at night knowing that you're a safe person in a safe place? Because at the end of the day, my job as a man is to steward my wife's love. I'm a steward of my wife's love. When I'm not in her presence, does she know this? My husband has my back. My husband's thinking about me. You know, I just got to tell you, one of the things that my wife loves so much, because she's usually the one serving me, is when I make her coffee, and when I make it the way exactly she loves it, and when I bring it to her when she's getting ready in the bathroom, I never realized something so small was something so huge. Because what it's saying to my wife is, my man has my back. He's thinking about me. He's doing what I like to do. He's doing it in the way I like it. And he's actually thinking and caring about me. Now listen, we don't do it all perfect around here. But I would like to say this. I would like to make a commitment that we're going to leave you better than we found you as you've been a part of our church family. And I just want to say this, every one of us should be able to say as it relates to the relationships in our lives, if you're in a relationship with me, I will leave you better than I found you. And I will be committed to your success, and you never have to worry about me sticking it to you or lying to you or cheating you in some way because I would rather die than cheat you. I would rather die than cheat you. You know, in the I'll, I'll shut up after this, I promise, but I, I'm on a roll. In the building of this building, we had a partnership of three. We have a banker, we had our capital campaign folks that help us cast vision and raise support, and we had our builder. Can I just tell you something? Do you know why all this building stuff does not stress me out? Because I'm in a relationship with those three men that have demonstrated, not just in talk, but in dollars, that they have my back. Now, I don't know nothing about building a building. But do you know that when you sit down with your builder, and you can honestly ask your builder, what would you do if you were me? And know 
that the answer that they're going to give you is not based on the dollars that end up in their pocket, but are what's best for the church of Jesus Christ because the issue at the end of the day is not the builder making the most money the builder can make, but a builder who's a godly man who wants Jesus to win and wants Jesus' church to win and wants me to win and will tell me not what he would like to tell me, but will tell me the truth about the situation because at the end of the day, it's not about him, it's about me. Now, I can figure out what I'm eating for dinner like Joseph, like Potiphar, because I got a builder who's actually thinking about what's going on here. When you call up your banker who's a Christian and start sharing about what God was doing in their church on Sunday and asking us what God's doing here and saying, that is awesome, brother. Hey, let's pray about this. And when they, when, when they have to extend trust to you because they've never invested in a project as big as what we're building, but listen, but they do because we've demonstrated such a high degree of trust that they, here's what they said. A bank in Oklahoma said, we believe in you, living stones. We have confidence in you, living stones. We have confidence in your leadership team, living stones. So even though our board of directors would not generally do a project of this scope, because of the high credibility, because of the high trust relationship that we've demonstrated, we will extend trust and we're going to work with you and partner with you. When the big bank, the local big bank, came in and asked us this question, Pastor Ron, now is that white church down the street, talking about Living Hope Church, would they be considered your biggest competitor? That's what the local national bank asked me when they were considering whether or not to loan us money. I said, sir, that church is not our competitor, nor is any other Bible-believing church. We are in a boom market. I said, man, I said, we got so much business in northwest Indiana. We got so many people. To, to disciple in Northwest Indiana. They're not a comp competition at all. But you see what I'm saying? That's the mentality of the world. It's doggy dog, it's competition, it's what's in it for us. And I'm just telling you, when you find people in your life that have your back, those people are like gold. You don't even have to worry about things you got to worry about. Our, our last comment, I, I lied, forgive me for lying. I'm going to tell one more story. The, the, the team that worked with us to raise the support for this project. During the, this whole episode, he was diagnosed with cancer. Do you know, I call him, I pray with him, I encourage him. I tell him, I can't wait for you to be up here because you're going to be a part of our celebration. I've had him at our house eating pot roast over my kitchen table because he's not just helping us raise money. He's my brother. He's somebody that I love, and he's somebody that we would do whatever it took to invest in him and see him healed, uh, even using Living Stone's resources to make that happen. You know that he's gone through all the chemo, and he's got all that kind of stuff, and he's cancer-free, and he's going to be here for our graduation. But I'm just telling you, it's more than a relationship. The Bible says a godly man, when he's done wrong, 
will eat the dishonor, will eat the bill, will eat whatever, so that the reputation of Jesus stays strong. And how about this? Because my confidence when people do me wrong, my confidence is not in people. My confidence is in the Lord. And so you live an honorable way, and you do what's right, and you always try to leave people better than when they came. And all I can say, last thing, I, I can say a lot. I got to quit talking like that. I can say a lot, but I'm not. When I see the beautiful people up here today, and I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I can't, I'm so glad that you're here. Here's my regret. Will I ever hear all of your stories? I hope. Will I ever be able to have personal heart-to-heart connection with every single person in our church? I hope. I'm not planning on it. I do want to have heart-to-heart connection with you, though, woman. Get up here. What's that? Okay. She's going to tell why she was gone. It's kind of a confession time. <laughs> but, I'll, uh, but I do want to say this. Um, we will love you well. Might not be me personally, but our, our church family will love you well. And we will leave you better than we found you. And if it doesn't happen, you come talk to us because we'll make it right. How's that for a goodwill promise? All right? Amen. So we need to... <laughs> okay, so we're going to make it right right now. There were two Murphys on your list, and we forgot one. Come on. We don't want you to be forgotten. Tammy. Tammy You're dealing with some eye issues? Yes. Okay. So this is why God always has a way in doing this. How about we bless Tammy's eyes right now? She's been dealing with some, some eye situations that are challenging. Lord, we thank you for this dear woman, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch and heal what's going on with these eyes right now. Lord, that you, just with one simple touch, one simple touch, Lord, is all it takes. So, Lord, just love on this dear woman our dear sister and your daughter, and don't let her know how special she is. And even the way this worked out today, there's something beautiful about the Lord singling you out because there are no accidents. So, Lord, pour into her all that she needs. Encourage her heart. I just pray that we'd be in such a safe place for you to get all that the Lord wants to give you. And so we bless you. We pray God's favor over your life. We ask just for a healing touch right now, the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you and touch you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. We love you. Can you guys see why I'm an emotional basket case by third service? I got to go home and watch the Bears lose just to come back to reality. It's really tough. Stand to your feet. I'm going to bless you guys. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, just release. I pray for an impartation 
of what it is that we're talking about, Lord, that it's not just theory, but help us live this way. I pray for a transformation of our relationships across the board. God, all the level, levels and layers of relationship that we have, God, help us to be that kind of trusted and faithful friend. And Lord, may this be a safe place. May our hearts be a safe place. All of our life groups and gatherings and marriage class and all that happens in this place. Lord, let it be a place where people can know that their backs are covered. They're not going to be attacked. They're going to be loved and celebrated. And Lord, most of all, they're going to be healed. So Jesus, we commit this week to you. Use us for your glory. Help us to touch as many people as we can touch. In your mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, we love you. If you need prayer, come on down. If you're brand new, come on down. We want to meet you this morning.